we live at a time, I think, of unprecedented historical change in so many areas. Um, you know, this explosion of new technologies in the digital age, you know, has put the power to tell stories and distribute them, you know, back in the hands of the masses, in, in the hands of the people. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. This is the second part of my interview with Randall Libero. I wanted to ask you about cinematic audio. I know you've mentioned that before. Is that what you mean by painting the scene with the sound? You got it. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's it exactly. <laughs> you know, because, you know, when you look at a great painting, you there's so much of your interpretation of it from everything that you've experienced in life. And you interpret that painting completely different from somebody else who's had a completely different experience in life. So just like the great filmmakers like Kubrick and Wells and people like that, they understood that about how people viewed their, their films and their stories. So they put these experiential um, parts of it uh, in, in, into the story. Um, I have to say for myself, I started thinking about these things um, because of a book that was published, and I got it right here. I still have my copy of it. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Yeah. I still have my copy of it. And it's called Expanded Cinema. It was written okay. by Gene Youngblood, and it came out in 1970. And it's a kind of a hard book to find. Um, I think Gene's still alive. He's a professor at a university somewhere, I think, in New Mexico. And um, it was a book that was... It was a book that's all about the the metamorphosis of the human being through cinema, and and it's it, it's an incredible uh, journey. It's very intellectual. It was a, my first really intellectual heavy book. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's got an introduction by Buck, Buckminster Fuller. I mean, all of this stuff talking about so many levels of what media does. It's the you know from the the sympathetic forms of media to the entertainment forms of media and everything in between. It went into exper experimental cinema. It went into nonlinear storytelling. It went into so many different things. And when I read this book, you know, a world opened up to me that I had not previously knew existed. And I started studying cinema and, and, how people were reacting. And I started reading film critics from you know the early eras, like Parker Tyler in the 1940s and other people that I was following, but not film criti criticism. I was more interested in the film experience. Sure. And, and reading like um, Sergei Eisenstein, I have a first edition of his book, Film Form, um, in my library, uh, where he talks about the structure and the angles in cinema, dynamic angles, and 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 how you can make still images move to the to the mind and things like that. These great cinema storytellers, and they understood the power of the image and the power of geometry, mm -hmm. um, of which all the great directors know that. But when you look at paintings, you look at great paintings, you can see that in there. So all these cinema directors studied paintings, and they studied, you know, um, statues, and they and and geometry and sacred geometry which goes back to very very ancient times around the world that are the ancient our ancient ancestors knew the power of geometry and they expressed that with giant stone megalithic monuments all over the world 
And what's amazing about a lot of these monuments is that um, they actually resonate with a certain sound frequency. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all sorts of, uh, if you go to the, um, the, the shrine in, in the island of Malta, which I've been, and you go inside that and you ring a bell in there. I mean, it, it opens up your mind in ways that I can't even describe. I mean, and ancient cultures, I went, um, in my study of sound, I learned about these devices called uh, whistling vessels that the Peruvian people created. And what they are is they're usually made in sets of seven, and each of the seven, and they're like a little effort, they have a, it's like a double chambered pot with a spout on it that you blow into, and then on the front of it is like an eagle or a bird or a, or a man, and the sound comes out of the eyes and the nostrils and the mouth of, of the, the being that's on the front. And you, when you blow these together, it creates a difference tone only heard in your brain. Wow. So like and vibrational, you mean? It's, it's, it actually activates a certain part of your brain that puts you into an altered state of consciousness. Wow. So yeah, and I've, I've used these things and, and it, you know, no kidding. And the sound goes beyond the physical universe. You want me to tell a really interesting story about that? Because sure, I by got all means. One. And it, and it, it, <laughs> when people hear this, they'll understand because you really have to respect the the consciousness of ancient people. And here's a re, here's I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of a story like that. So this story uh, happened to me in the early 1980s, and I was in Los Angeles. So we took this modern reproduction of a whistling vessel, and I called up the LA County Museum um, where they have a lot of ancient artifacts. And I said, do you have artifacts like, and I described it, it's a double chambered pot with a spout. And they think they were like water, they were used in ceremony, like ceremony water jars. And you know that's how, that, how, how museums put them on display because they don't want to let you know what's really going on with ancient people. And there's a reason for that, which I'm not going to go into. Hmm. But here's what happened. So we brought two microphones. We brought a recording, a recording device, a good one. And we went to the museum. And I met the head of the antiquities department, and I said, "Did you did you find some of those?" He said, "Yeah, we got a whole bunch of those." And he brought out the he had a little box in there with a whole bunch of these thousand year old plus thousand year old whistling vessels. So I very carefully <laughs> took one out of the out of the box, and I looked at it. You know, I cleaned it off, and I put my mouth on it, and I played it, and it had this beautiful tone to it. Oh my goodness! So the modern ones didn't sound as pure, the reproductions didn't sound as pure as the original ones, as the real ones that were, you know, old from ancient times. So we took each of these vessels and we mic'd them separately and we blew them together. And my friend and I, you take a good breath and you blow into these things because they're made, the lung capacity that people had back then was much bigger than ours today. So we really took a good breath and we blew these things and, I mean, because I could only hear the tone of what I was blowing, I couldn't hear the actual difference tone. I mean, I kind of felt this like buzzing in your brain. So we're, we're doing this, and the, the guy is there, who's the antiquities director, and we started explaining to him what we were doing. And he was like, are you kidding me? He was totally clueless about this. And what was really funny is that, now I have to describe the building that we were in, because this is important. In California, this is we were at a, a floor level below ground. So, you know, all the buildings there are all earthquake proof. They have concrete walls that are like, you know, really thick. 
because they're protected from, you know, slight earthquake damage. You know, not, not sh big shaky ones, but, you know, the minor stuff. So we're in this, but we're underground and we're in this long hallway. And th then there's a knock at the door. And this, this woman says, what is that sound? What are you doing in here? And I said, how did you hear it? We had the door closed. She says, well, I was down the hall. And she pointed to a door that was about four or five doors down the hallway. And she just heard this buzzing and she came up and followed the sound to, to the, the, the office that we were in. So it went right through the walls. It went, it went non-physical. Wow. She heard that and she came in. And so I talked to the antiquities director and I said, this is what these are. They're not water jars and all that. And I said, you need to go to your staff and say, you know, uh, you know, what these things really are and put them on display. And you know what he said to me? He said, I can't do that. And I was like, why? He said, because I'll be laughed off the staff. What? Yep. That was his answer. They just had the demonstration. I will be laughed. He was more worried about his reputation rather than telling the truth of oh. what he just experienced. Okay. <laughs> so this is what we're dealing with. And that's why the things I wouldn't talk about before. We're dealing with this paradigm shift in terms of human consciousness right now in, in the world with what's going on. And, and that's a really good example of a, I just proved to him real right in front of him that something is real and that he couldn't. He couldn't share that. He experienced it and he didn't know what to do with it. So this is why I'm so interested in the aspect of media and human consciousness, because ancient people knew these secrets and we're just rediscovering them now in all sorts of ways. And we're using the technology that we have and the form that we have. And um, we're telling stories because that's how we communicate. As ancient people, they, they, the, their family lineage, lineage, their ancestral lineage was told through around the campfire telling stories. And when they did media and they did crafts and things like that, that was a lower, lower on the, the rung of how people communicated. You know, you, you, everyone had a connection to the self, they had a connection to nature, they had a connection to their community, and then they were into, you know, things that were, you know, beads and stones and non-physical things and things like that the media that they communicated to and they made artwork and, you know, like the Tibetan sand paintings where they made bees and craft, you know, here in the, in the Americas. And it, they told a story in their artwork and their tapestries and things of that nature. So that was on the bottom rung today. That's completely flipped on its head. Now the way that we communicate is through the, the media, the media content itself. Mm -hmm. It's how we make connections, how we learn things. So it's completely upside down. And there's a reason for that. Because if you hung around any ancient culture, you realize that they understand, they, they knew this time would come. It's in their prophecies. I mean, it's in the Hopi prophecies, and I've heard, extensively heard those, and I've studied those, and I've met Hopi people and talked and asked questions. And I've met the, I've met, I've been down to, you know, Peru and met the people and asked questions about the vessels and been in ceremony and things like that. I've traveled and had these experiences. So my view of, sound and sacred sound is is very different and i'm you know you know for me the challenge is can we actually create content both on the screen and through through storytelling through audio sound that actually expands human consciousness is that possible because now you know when i go to sleep at night i listen to these youtube channels that have these binaural beat things and you know and <laughs> sure, it, yeah. it, it relaxes you before you go to sleep mm -hmm. so i'm thinking 
what if we actually, when people went to see a film or listen to an audio story, that we're actually enhancing their consciousness in some way, in a good way, in a positive way, not a manipulative way. It really means a lot to me when you take the time to write a review of this show. So I want to take a moment to acknowledge and thank you when you do. Mike GMK writes, Secret weapon hidden in plain sight. I wish I had some power to put this cast in front of everyone who writes advertising. Most people who write it in the digital age are absolutely unaware of the power of sound and the spoken word. So along comes Jody with the most powerful communication tool there is, hidden in plain sight, the spoken word. And not just that, but proof, in episode after episode, of the power audio has to affect our very thoughts. What marketer or brand manager wouldn't want that? I've done sound design, scripting, production, and voice for radio, TV, and videos for, um, well, a good while. I'm now listening to every episode of this show. I'm learning new things about sound in nearly every show. For anyone in advertising, video, audiobooks, television, and whatever I've missed— This podcast is of great value. Thanks so much, Mike. I'm really glad you're getting value from the podcast, and I so appreciate the kind words. And now, back to the show. And I'm thinking now, so I I have a sci-fi series that I'm working on, which is going into other realities and interdimensional stuff. And I was going to ask that. you what you're working on yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I'm working on now. It's mm-hmm. a big, long thing that I've been working on for about 10 years. Wow. Which goes into, you know, all these, and really it talks about ancient people and it talks about the modern world and it talks about our future. Because one of the things that I've seen, especially in movies and storytelling is that they, they, we've been seeing a lot of horrible stuff for a long time. Yeah. On the screen, <laughs> yeah, we. So totally I'm into have. you know these dice, dark dysotopian futures. I mean, they've even taken our superheroes and made them dark. It's yeah. like, really, please don't do that. Yeah, you know, I like Christopher Reeve as Superman. That to yeah. me is Superman. Thank you very yeah, much. I agree. Yeah. Um, kind so of fan. you know these. Um, so this this dark future. Uh, you know, this is a this is unfortunately this is an agenda by people, and there's a reason why it's happening. Which I, again, I'm not going to go into. That's another conversation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But what we need to do right now, in my, from my view, is why I do what I do, is, is to look at how we can tell stories that bring us together, that unite us, that, that don't separate us, that don't put us into, you know, what color, of your, what color your skin is or what, what class structure that you're in or all of that. You know, that needs to go away. We need to come together as, as human beings and a people. So the stories that I want to tell through audio and through video eventually, is, uh, are those kinds of stories that, that show a positive future. When was the last time you saw a science fiction movie, besides Star Trek, that looked at, <laughs> that looked at you know, a positive you know, future of shows, technology, and you know, in its, in its, the way it relates to humanity? Mm-hmm. You know, that, to me, those are the interesting stories to tell because all the great science fiction writers will tell you that when they write a book, it's you have to create a world for that book. It ha- that world has rules, and it has consequences, and and there are things you know when you when you do something, um, you know there's an action and reaction. So the philosophical principle principles are expressed through a lot of science fiction novels, and um, again talking about Star Wars, there's a very spiritual component to Star Wars that Lucas put in there because oh, of his own, because of his yeah. own his own experiences. Mm. So I'm glad that that was in there, 
and, and the film that it was because it really opened a door for a lot of kids who were not thinking of those kinds of things before. I mean, I grew up in 1968, and that was a, a huge change year of in, in, in America, especially. And so, you know, in 1970s, I'm, I'm reading expanded cinema and, um, you know, books like that. And, but at the same time, I was looking at this book, Alvin Toffler's Future Shock and reading that. I'm going, is this really our future? I, I don't want it to be my future. So I started thinking about how to create, you know, positive media back, back then because of, you know, when I had read Expanded Future, I thought, well, this is the potential. And, you know, what's funny is that when I started working in media, in online media, and that was in 2005. Um, the first, one of a couple of my first clients was Dr. John Demartini, who's a human behavioral specialist. And another one was Dr. Joe Dispenza, who you may know from What the Bleep Do We Know, the movie and, and all his, Joe's work since then on um, evolving your brain and uh, neuroscience. So those were people that I learned from who were sort of inspirational mentors to me where I saw the, the potential of, you know, the combination of those things, how the brain actually works and functions. And then my, my quest to understand more about the cinematic language and the language of sound were enhanced because now I knew the science behind what I had learned before. I, it, was, it, it became real for me. So I'm curious about one thing um, you well, I'm curious about many things, but <laughs> one particular thing uh, you you mentioned this Internet network that you have going on. So how do you use what you've learned to make that a better uh, media place to go? Because um, I like there's a lot of sound there, obviously, but it is also very visual. So how are you using that to um to get people's awareness i guess raised <laughs> hmm. well it's it's by what you're saying in what i'm saying in the shows that i'm producing it's what's the message behind them um the technology is just it's just the form that it's going through and the way you're telling stories and the technology is always going to evolve so it's not in the technology so you know, we live at a time, I think, of unprecedented historical change in so many areas. Um, you know, this explosion of new technologies in the digital age, you know, has put the power to tell stories and distribute them, you know, back in the hands of the masses, in, in the hands of the people. You know, before that, we had, you know, entertainment conglomerates. You know, you had the movie studios and TV networks. You know, they, they controlled the narrative and the message until recently. Yeah, and the internet and podcasts right. have opened that up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but audience demands are changing, and audiences' values and tastes are changing. You know what they're willing to sit through, because they're more becoming more aware of your time, because everything's now in shorter and shorter bites of things. That's why we have these apps that do that. So, this digitized media landscape has disrupted and forever changed how movies and media are changing the way we think, the way we live, the way we relate, and the way that we dream. The way that we dream. That's interesting. It. The way that we dream. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can you it, go into that a little? <laughs> oh boy. That's a whole fun thing. Let me tell you. Okay. So, but you know, but as storytellers and filmmakers and sound designers, you know, we still, we hold the keys now to the power to create stories that reflect our world back to us and enhance our lives. We hold those keys now. We never had the possession of those before where I can create a video and put, and this is only, this is within 20 years, folks. This has only happened, started happening in 2000 to 2020, and now we're here. 
So all this online media stuff evolved. The devices changed, the platforms changed. And I've been working as producer in the beginning and since the be you know, that, that was going on. I was doing online TV and audio before there was YouTube and Facebook and all of that. So I've seen all these changes happen and I've seen how people are responding to the stories and how they're responding to, you know, what they're seeing and what they're, what they're relating to. So this is no longer, for me, this technology thing is no longer, you know, technology is not evolving. This is, we're in a full out revolution now. And you can see that in many forms today. So we have the fake news media narrative and we have people online telling you what they're seeing and, and putting that out there in the world. So this isn't the end of these changes. This is just the beginning, you know, or it's the beginning of the beginning. I mean, <laughs> well, <laughs> Who you know, knows? whatever. So, so the question is ourselves as we stand here, we look at and we say, you know, what's next? So, you know, when we look at our world today, it appears there are seemingly, you know, insurmountable problems, you know, but as enlightened storytellers, you know, if we hold the vision of seeing things from a perspective of higher consciousness and from that view, we're not caught up in the trivialized, fear-based, ignorant, reactive perspective of dealing with the issues of our times. We hold this power and we can tell stories that, we hold those stories lightly in our hands, offer our ideas, our vision to our audience with love. You know, who, you know, if you hold that, that in, your, in your heart of how you want to tell those stories and you want to relate to people through that, not through manipulation or, hey, we can make this do this so people buy this product or do, you know, I'm not into that, okay? This is a power that we have now. This is in our hands. So if we want to change the world as media creators, we have this power. So realizing and understanding this power, this will also, also, this will also strengthen our community of storytellers, of media creators and audio storytellers and, and filmmakers and all of that. It strengthens our community when we re realize that we have this power. So for me, you know, it, it reinforces our personal resolve to constantly press the envelope to propel change. You know, as we trust that voice and the vision on the inside, we may encounter opposition from our team, from executives, from boards of directors, from media companies, from our partners and other stakeholders that are seeking to maintain the status quo. So, but as our film stories reach that audience, you know, reach their hearts and minds, we have to trust ourselves. We have to stand in our power and trust the destiny that we feel for ourselves as human beings that we want to make this world a better place. Sure. And that, that, and then that is possible. Yeah. And sound does definitely yeah, and sound emotionally has that reach power. us that way. Yeah. yeah. The, like yeah. I said, the ancient people knew this, this was a powerful medium in audio. Mm -hmm. So when we express that power, that, which comes from within each of us, from that divine connection we all have, and bring those ideas from the higher dimensional realms into our stories and into what we, the stories that we tell and the way that we relate to people through media, then we begin to discover and demonstrate our true nature as human beings. That's what I really feel that the, the potential is. So, you know, when we, when we depend on other things, whether it's institution or government, or, you know, whatever, you know, that's where we start to go off the track. You know, I have this saying on my website that we must all become producers. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that as yeah. well, because I know that that's what you call yourself, right? You're a yeah. producer. Yeah, and I, I think everyone now who is a media creator is a producer. So mm -hmm. what, is your, what are your responsibilities as a producer? Because now you have this power. Yeah. 
So what do producers do? I get asked this question all the time. And I have a, <laughs> I have a phrase that I say, which surprises people. I said, producers are people who are interested in developing and creating new ideas that expand human awareness and human consciousness. It's a good answer. Those are producers, true producers. Mm -hmm. They understood because all the great artists had that in mind. You know, when I looked at the true color version of Da Vinci's Mona Lisa, which is, which is, they've done that in terms of looking at, you know, the painting and, and putting it in its true, its original true color. Yeah, yeah. What Da Vinci was trying to do is he was trying to create a three-dimensional form in a two-dimensional medium. So when you looked at that painting, your consciousness would be activated into seeing beyond the wall of what you were looking at of that flat painting. And you would see beyond that, you would see into a third-dimensional realm in that two-dimensional form of art. That's what he was trying to do. That's why it took so long in creating that piece of art. And people don't know that, but if you've ever seen the true color version of that painting and you look at it, it it's like a three-dimensional image you're looking at. And it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. It's brilliant. So this is what all great artists attempt to do. And producers- Something new. Yeah, producers are artists and it's something new. Because if we all do that, if we all become real producers and, and join this revolution of what's going on in media and the world right now, in that direction, because it is a direction that we take, it's a journey, but that journey has a direction because there's multiple paths there. But if we choose that path, like the Hopis have this, this, you know, the two roads to the future, the good road and the bad road. But if we can get on the good road and transition to go across the bridge to the, from the bad road to the good road, which is I think where we are right now, we're just about to get on that good road. In that direction, to the good way of living where you're in harmony with yourself, you're in harmony with other people and you're in harmony with nature and the universe and a larger perspective, cosmic perspective, in that direction that we take, that is where we'll find happiness, success, and the path to the great age that we all know is possible because we all feel that. Yeah. So we're all creating it together. Looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com slash audio branding strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website. And I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up, though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that too. Now, back to the podcast. There's a question I wanted to ask you actually, though. Uh, if you have a tip for people on how to use sound effectively in their media or in their podcast, is there something that you would suggest? Because I know that there's a lot that goes into this that's beyond that, but... Yeah, there's a lot. Well, when you design your sound, for the, the project that you're working on, you have to stop and think of how is your audience going to respond to the methodology that you're using to tell that story? In other words, what effect are you going to have? Because 
the ins and outs of characters and the ins and outs of plot and you know dialogue and all of that. When you design sound, it's it's everything that's not being spoken. It's everything that's going on in the background. So when we worked on Marilyn Behind the Icon, I started with what is the room tone? What is the um, what is the peripheral sounds on the periphery um, that are going on? And and you want to have it makes it it makes it sound real. I have this in episode four. Um, there's it happens in the in the uh, at a film cutting the film editors because um, Norma Jean's mother was a cutter at a studio. Mm-hmm. She cut uh, um, uh, the films for Mary Pickford, and that's in the we hear all that in in the in the show. So when we started with that, we started. I'll give you an example because this is how you design sound. So we're inside the office, and you got the you know the film reels going, and you know all of that sound. So we had to walk from that environment where you have this echoey hallway, and they go outside. And I actually had to, in terms of the design, I had to look at pictures of what that building was like. So you have to look at where you are for real. If you're if you're if you're telling a real story, or if you're telling even a fictional story. It's what is the setting that you're in? What are the characters walking through that you hear in the background? What are the sounds that everything is making? So we, they walked out through the door and into, this, into the lot. Then they go from the lot into the street, into a city street in Los Angeles. And this is all in one scene. Mm-hmm. So you ha- I, there were like 12 different changes in tone, tw- uh, a number of changes in sound and what was in the background sound. You had to bring things up as, as the characters were walking through the street what they would actually hear for real as they got closer to the traffic and the sounds of cars of that period. And I had to find all the period sounds of cars from that era, from, you know, from 1933, <laughs> you know, all that, you know, all that was, was going on. Um, actually, no, it was 1923. It was early 1920s. So I had to find automobiles and, and, you know, do a lot of research to find those sounds. So when you look at the sound design, you've got to think of all those multiple levels in your story of, creating a real environment that you're bringing the audience through as the characters are speaking that makes it sound like you're right there with them. Like you're a fly in the wall or you're just standing there walking along with them. So all throughout this, the show, then when, when we were looking at in terms of the sound design for the episodes, cause they all, it all happens in different eras. We use music for transitions. There was one time where Norma Jean was getting her hair cut and you have these, the sounds of the scissors going. And we took the sounds of the scissors and we matched those where we jump ahead in time, almost you know two decades, um, where you have the sound of a typewriter. And we matched the click, click, click to the tap, tap, tap of the typewriter. So the transition from time in terms of moving people through time in the story to a different era, it was seamless. You, use, you just use the certain type of sound and you move people. And the, in, the, in the imagination, it just flows right to that new time period and you didn't even hear the change so there are little tricks like that you can play around with which are a heck of a lot of fun Mm -hmm. and then how you're using music and using music to do transitions which is people normally do but i'm actually talking about using sound effects for transitions i never heard anybody do i mean they do that in films but they never i never heard that in audio storytelling before so we did it and it was it was people went that was really cool when you you know they heard that because how did we how did we get to this new scene? They, they, they couldn't even all of a sudden, you know, Marilyn's eighteen from from being a, a you know eight year old girl, and now she's 
She's 19 at a modeling agency. We jump forward in time and you didn't even hear the transition. So in terms of your sound design, if you're really clever, if you think of how you're using sound, you can do that in the story and it becomes very exciting for your audience because the story just has this flow to it and people don't even hear the edits. It's like not seeing the special effect yeah. in film. You don't yeah. see the effect. It's just, it's, it's just there. It's in the background. You don't notice it. And you can do the same, the same principle can be applied to the soundtrack. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so clearly there is a lot more to this than just, you know, having dialogue. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. There's, there's a lot more. It's, it's, how, it's how do you want to use sound in a way that um, you, can, you can experiment? Because right now I think we're in this tremendous period of experimentation because we now have all this technology and tools and... Um, all I want to say to all of you media creators out there is add your own consciousness to what you're doing. Add the need that you feel for our world to be a better place into your work because we all, as I said, we all have this power. And when we use that power responsibility, you know, there's a responsibility. It's like Spider-Man, you know, you, you know, with great <laughs> power becomes a great responsibility. And I said, well, when you create media, you have a responsibility to your audience to make their lives better. That's what all great artists do. That's always been the track of, of great artists. And um, whether you're a writer or a director or a storyteller or editor or whatever, working toward that end to have your story enhance someone's life, improve their life, expand their thinking, have them see things from a new perspective. That's your job. That's how I look at it. And that's why I say we're all producers in this period of time in media history. Yeah. I am not sure that we could end on a better note than right there. <laughs> but how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to reach out? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. I mean, that's the easiest way to say hello. And, and sure. on LinkedIn, if you want to talk to me, please say so and send me a message because I never know people connect with you and it's like, you know, send me a message. Yeah. You know, say, say hello, <laughs> you know, and my email is, you know, I'm at uh, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. So I produce uh, shows for talk radio still. Mm -hmm. What's the URL for That's for that voiceamerica.com. Okay. Voiceamerica.com. We have five channels and there's hundreds and hundreds of programs. And you might be interested in an old show that I did from 2006 to 2011 called Spirit of Film Conversations where I interviewed, it was, the early, it was the early stage of digital media. So there's some really great stuff in there. And I inter interviewed mainstream directors like John Badham and producers like um, John Badham, The Saturday Night Fever and Blue Thunder and Short Circuit and uh, Michael Phillips who produced The Sting and Close Encounters and The Last Mimsy and lots of other films. So there's some great stuff in there. And I did a, I did a, uh, uh, on mythology and storytelling and we talked about films that were coming out back then, like Batman Begins and the mythology and that. And there's a lot of gold in there. So that's Spirit of Film Conversations on Voice America. Or just search for me and you'll find it on voiceamerica.com. Just search my name and you'll find the entire series there. It's only available on Voice America. It's not in distribution. So the archives are there and you can, and they're available on all your devices and everything. Wonderful. And I do have a website, randallibero.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm revamping currently because I'm going to be able, I'm writing a book and doing more speaking and doing more dramatic podcasts. And so, um, you know, when you go through a personal evolution, you also change your 
digital identity. Sure. So I'm going yeah. through that process right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So just follow the website basically to see what you're up to. <laughs> yeah. RandallBear.com, my profile on LinkedIn and VoiceAmerica.com is where, where I'm working. And I just this week launched a new show called Hole in One uh, with a, a wonderful lady from Ireland. And uh, uh, the Irish storytelling uh, um, history is amazing. The Irish the people from Ireland are like the best storytellers in the world. <laughs> and they just dr drag you into whatever they're talking about in, you know, like 10 seconds. And you're like, you're like focused on what they're saying. I mean, they're, they're great storytellers. So I'm, I'm producing a few shows from people who live in Ireland and, and they're wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and, uh, and perspective on all of this. It's, I think it's a really powerful message and, and very important that people hear it. So thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Jody, for having me on. I really appreciate the time that you took today to have this chat with me. Thanks. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time.